Beloved of God, grace to you and peace on this evening from God our Creator and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I've always wondered what that mark looked like, the one that God placed on Cain. We hear about it in the Old Testament reading. You may recall the basic outline of the story. Cain was angry at Abel and perhaps more than a little envious. So he lured his brother into the field and murdered him. God gave Cain the chance to tell the truth about what he had done. Where is your brother, Abel? Cain's reply is legendary, isn't it? Am I my brother's keeper? Cain wasn't interested in telling the truth, but God was. He described to Cain the consequences of breaking faith with his brother and with God. Your relationships will suffer as a result of this act, Cain. Your relationship with the land will be estranged. Your relationship with other people will be estranged. You will no longer be a farmer, but a fugitive. God told the truth to Cain about the consequences of his actions. It was almost too much for Cain to bear. He lost his land, he lost his tribe, he had no connections. He knew, that what, he knew what that meant in the wilderness east of Eden. It meant certain death at the hand of another. I guess he should have thought of that before he killed his brother. I mean, justice would be served if Cain met with a violent end, wouldn't it? A life for a life? It seems only fair. But in a surprise twist in the story, God turned away from this practice of justice. Instead, he put this mysterious mark on Cain. We don't know what it looked like. Scholars say it might have been some kind of tribal mark. However it looked, it announced that Cain was not alone, was not without tribe or connection. He was connected to God. Though he had sinned, he had not been abandoned by God. The mark on his brow bore witness not only to God's justice, but to God's mercy. Cain had been spared, given another chance, saved. The great thing about these old Genesis stories is that they tell the human story. That's why we tell them over and over again, generation after generation. Cain's struggle is the human struggle. He was born into a world already broken, into relationships already tense and estranged. The harmony that God had intended for humanity and for all of creation had already been upset. This upset took root in Cain's relationships. Sin, alienation, brokenness passed from one generation to the next creating a painful web. Like Cain, we get caught in that same web. And to add to our misery, we attempt to deceive ourselves, just as he did, about how ensnared we are. We blame and deny and run from telling the truth. But God is interested in telling the truth. 
God knows that our sin costs us dearly, that it robs us of the peace and joy that God desires for us. And God knows where all of that leads to death, the death of relationships, of community, the death of the planet, all sorts of death. Now, I suppose that's fair, isn't it? It's just. We don't hold up our end of the covenant, so there are consequences. The wages of sin is death. But in a surprise twist, death is not the end of our story because God refuses to practice a justice without mercy. The refrain that we often sing during Lent comes from the prophet Joel, Return to the Lord your God, for God is patient and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Any hope we have of reconciliation and healing in our human story comes from this God whose nature it is to temper justice with mercy. Sin and death are part of the human experience. We can't deny it. We ought not deny it. But because of who God is, they do not define us, nor are they our destiny. You see, God is still the author of this story, the creative force behind all of it. It is God's mercy that redeems us, that frees us from the sin, the grip of sin and death, that places us back on the path of life. It is God's mercy that has the power to make things right. As Christians, we bear a mark that tells this story. It is the sign of the cross that we received in baptism. It is the mark of belonging, of connection. We belong to Jesus Christ. Any ability we have to stand before God freed and forgiven is because of this relationship, the grace and mercy of God that are shared with us in Christ. Tonight, we will have this mark traced on our forehead in ashes. We do this as a way of telling the truth about who we are and who God is. Ashes remind us that we are mortal creatures, deeply affected by the power of sin. But the shape of the cross reminds us that the mercy of God is always more powerful than sin, and that the love of God in Jesus Christ will never let us go. It is because of Christ that we are free to live in relationship with God and each other, no matter how imperfect those relationships may be. It is because of Christ that we are free to tell the truth about our struggle. We've been released from the need to blame and to scapegoat, to lie and to deny. It is because of Christ that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, trusting in the, God's mercy and in the promise that God will never let us go. May this promise guide our steps during these 40 days of Lent as we seek to follow faithfully in the way of Christ. Thanks be to God.